0: Chapter the Thirty-ninth of the Manchester Man by Mrs. G. Linnaeus Banks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Like Father, like Son. It is no uncommon thing for a woman to gild a block, wreathe it with flowers, and then fall down and worship the idol she has adorned. Augusta's hero needed no outward embellishment, so she fitted the fair exterior with the perfections and virtues of the high-spirited, noble, generous Mortimers and Mowbrays, whose acquaintance she had made in print, and had set him on a very elevated pedestal, in spite of all warnings. With that misleading letter of his before her, no wonder if the blood shed for her sweet sake converted the hero into the martyr, and placed Jabez and her father in the category of cruel persecutors. It did more, It erected a barrier against reconciliation. In vain, her placable father held out a flag of truce. She kept aloof resentfully, though in the solitude of her own chamber she gave way, and wept at her isolation from all who loved her. Mrs. Ashton, whose sense of propriety had been outraged, whose maternal pride had received a terrible shock, was less readily disposed to condone her daughter's offence and being a better businesswoman than a psychologist, her tactics showed none of her ordinary shrewdness. The failure of Augusta's banishment to Carr should have taught her that romance is nursed in solitude, and that conciliation is better than coercion. Had she spared a few hours from the warehouse to arrange a dance, or a gypsy party to Dunham Park, chaperoned her lovely daughter to assembly, theatre, or concert-room, invited her companionship in a stroll through St. Anne's Square and King Street, calling at Mrs. Edge's fashionably frequented library by the way, joined the after-morning church promenaders in infirmary gardens, or given a little time to morning calls. She would have brought Augusta into contact with young people of her own age, and with the attractive of the opposite sex, and so have supplied an antidote for the poison Lawrence and ultra-sentimental literature had instilled. Instead, never was the golden fruit of the Hesperides more vigilantly guarded. She was kept more within doors. There was no Sicily to sympathise or convey clandestine billets doux The modern notion that a daily airing is indispensable had not been promulgated, or had not become the creed of the manufacturing community. Mrs. Ashton had no leisure for gadding, and Augusta cared little to drive in the gig with only James for her charioteer, or even to walk with Ellen so long as the mulberry-coloured livery was in attendance. It might have been otherwise, had not the said James held it as much beneath his dignity to accept a bribe as he had formerly done to wait upon Mr. Clegg. From her old bedroom, which overlooked Mosley Street, she was relegated to one in the rear, which commanded no wider prospect than their own courtyard, nor anything more interesting than nelson and his kennel by the by nelson had been in favour since the sad accident on the ice then visits to marsden square were prohibited lest she should there meet john warmsley's undesirable friend and altogether her escapade had converted home into a cage in spite of its gilding as might have been expected the high-spirited wayward girl so long her father's pet so long indulged in her caprices, chafed and rebelled against every fresh token of restraint, and contrasted the dull monotony of her life with the freedom and gaiety promised so frequently by Lawrence as the certain concomitants of wifehood with him. With all her haughty spirit, she had a clinging affectionate nature, tinged though it was with poetry and romance, and now that her father looked so unusually grave, and a mother so frigid, and she felt herself an alien from both their hearts. Instead of bewailing her premeditated flight as a crime, the tendrils of her love only clung closer to him who professed so much, and the more she was isolated from them, the more she brooded on the ill-used and maligned Lawrence, his manly beauty and accomplishments, his lavish generosity, his fascinations of voice and manner, and the fervour of his passion for her. Meanwhile, Tom Hume had resumed his duties at Whaley Bridge Mill, and Jabez returned home to his. Much to Augusta's surprise, he was not only invited to dine with them on the day of his return, but to take his place henceforth at their board as one of the family. With Lawrence's misrepresentations fixed in her mind as truths, she construed the daily association thus thrust upon her as a deliberate affront, and resented it with a silent scorn which cut Jabez to the soul. He knew nothing of Aspinall's letter, or that he was accused of a ruffianly attack. He only felt that he would have died to serve her, and had done what he had to save her from lifelong misery without a single thought of keeping her for himself. A few more days and back to Manchester came Mr. Aspinall, senior, having left a little of his portliness with his gout in the Buxton baths. Back with him came his son, and his son's congenial companion, Mr. Edmund Barrett, the former still smarting under his defeat at Carr, and all the more resolutely determined to carry off Augusta, jealousy adding a new element to his love, a new element to his hate. Sitting idly by the parlour window on the 3rd of October, with her head leaning against the frame, meditating on her own unhappiness and her parents' harshness, Augusta suddenly started to her feet, with a suppressed cry of delight, a vivid glow upon her cheeks, a brilliant sparkle in her eye. Lawrence Aspinall, mounted on Black Ralph, his favourite hunter, was riding up the street, the dislocated ankle apparently not affecting his enjoyment of equestrian exercise. As he raised his new beaver in graceful salutation, even the flutter into which she was thrown could not prevent her from missing his glorious curls. He had not deemed it necessary to replace his wig, and the pole shorn during fever had not yet grown a fresh crop ripe for harvest. The unfavourable impression passed with the moment, as he brought his obedient steed on the flagged pavement, close under the window, and without a moment's hesitation she raised the sash, and leaned forward to speak with him, glad of the opportunity. "'Oh, Lawrence! My own Augusta, this is indeed fortunate!' Their hands clasped upon the window-sill, the elevation of the house raising her to his level, her tearful eyes looked up in his for traces of suffering after the ruffianly attack, and found there, mingled with the fierce light of violent love, a bitter sense of defeat, a resolve to obtain her by fair means or foul. Each had the separate experience of that memorable September night to relate, coloured as passion or prejudice prevailed but neither could fully enlighten the other as to the share Mr. Clegg had had in preventing the elopement. He could tell her that Jabez had avowed overhearing their conversation in the lover's walk, though where he could have been to overhear, or what strange fatality could bring Mr. and Mrs. Ashton to Carr in time to become the recipients of his eavesdropping, and defeat their plans, was a puzzle to both. Be sure, Lawrence put the worst colour on the encounter in the lane, and urged all he had himself endured to strengthen his claims upon her. Claims she was quite willing to admit, had she the power to concede to them. Having shown with very evident annoyance how impossible it was for her to meet or give him a private interview, he exclaimed with indignation, "'What! not allowed to visit a relation, or to go abroad without a jailer? My dearest Augusta, this is a cruel state of captivity!' but my bird must not be allowed to fray her beautiful plumage in beating against the bars of her cage. I must devise a better plan for her escape. Any means are justifiable to obtain release from tyranny like this. What says my love? Is she still willing to trust her Lawrence? To the death, she whispered emphatically. You are alone here every morning. Her lips could barely frame a yes, when a voice and step in the hall... "'warned her to close the window with a hurried gesture to him, "'and before Mrs. Ashton, who had lingered to give an order to James, "'could enter the room, Black Ralph was cantering towards the portico, "'and Augusta occupied with the third volume of Alinda or the Child of Mystery. "'Very little escaped Mrs. Ashton's eye. "'The clatter of hooves on the flag, audible through the thick front door, "'had left no sensible impression on her brain.' but the heightened colour of Augusta attracted her attention at once. She brought her work-basket from the panel-cupboard, took thence a strip of cambric muslin, and handed it to her daughter. My dear, said she quietly, all play makes no hay. Your eyes are younger than mine, and I think it will do you more good to hem your father's shirt-frills than to pore over sentimental books from morning until night. So much romance-reading is not good for you, I see that you are quite flushed and excited over the one you are perusing now there was a sharp rat-tat on the lion's head and in burst mr ashton more flushed and excited than his daughter he had met mr lawrence on black ralph just as he was quitting the portico after an angry discussion with mr aspinall the elder you are quite right my dear in saying like father like son cried he for i'll swallow my snuff-box if that pompous old cotton merchant did not justify his scapegrace son in his attempt to carry off our augusta he said that the end justified the means that we ought to be proud of such an alliance mrs ashton's lip curled that he was glad miss ashton had more discernment than her parent that his boy had set his heart upon her and should not be thwarted in his choice by any beggar's inkle weaver in england and no sooner had I left him in the reading-room to digest my opinion on the subject, and put my foot on the steps of the portico, than up rode young Hopeful, and took off his hat to me, bowing down to his black horse's mane. Having delivered himself of this explosive intelligence, Mr. Ashton walked about, and sought a sedative in his snuff-box, and Augusta, who, folding the hem of the frill, had not lost one word, said, dryly, I think Mr. Aspinall's justification of his son's design may at least be taken as a vindication of Mr. Lawrence's honourable intentions, of which so many doubts have been expressed, and the bow equally absolves Lawrence from a charge of malice. With a proud toss of her shapely head, she walked towards the dining-room, rejecting the proffered arm of Jabez, who had entered the parlour whilst Mr. Ashton was speaking and thus closed a discussion which could not be continued in the presence of servants. Jabez, on his return from Carr, had found his rough old clerical friend confined to his room seriously ill. Tabitha was worn out with his humours and eccentricities, and was glad when the young man offered to relieve her twice or thrice a week, and old Joshua welcomed him as a relief from the monotonous garrulity of an unlettered old woman. Jabez could bring him news of another stamp. Through Ben Travis, who had discovered that activity was the best antidote to melancholy, he kept him informed of the progress of the incipient temperance movement, in which the parson took uncommon interest. Through Mr. Ashton he kept him au courant of town politics, and for general intelligence he brought newspapers with him to be read, interrupted by many and unique commentaries. In order that Tabitha might obtain repose, Mr. Clegg usually remained until a late hour, Mrs. Ashton herself entrusting him with a latch-key on these occasions. One night, towards the middle of October, when Joshua had been more than ordinarily crusty, and Jabez did not quit the classic corner until the wee short hour a joint the toile, he was struck as he turned the corner from Market Street into Mosley Street, to find Mr. Aspinall's carriage in waiting with four horses and postilions, He stood still for a moment, to reassure himself, but carriages were not so common that he should mistake that particular one, and his heart drummed an alarm within his breast. Hurrying on with sad misgivings, he passed two tall figures muffled in cloaks, whom he had no difficulty in recognising from build and walk to be the Aspinall's father and son, and increasing his speed he gained the door, inserted his key in the latch, and was on the stairs before the cloaked individuals had finished their speculations, respecting his being a robber escaped from a constable. Formerly Augusta had to pass his room door to reach her own on the opposite side of the long corridor. Her new chamber was next to his own and nearer the staircase. A thin stream of light shot through the keyhole, and a bright narrow line cast upon the opposite wall showed the door ajar. He stood still in his surprise. As if a tipsy, musically disposed man were going past, the refrain of a rollicking song was trolled out in the street, and then Augusta, equipped as for a journey, came forth from her chamber to descend the stairs. She had calculated on the signal an hour earlier, and expected Jabez an hour later. As she stole on tiptoe down the stairs, Jabez confronted her and barred her progress. Her silver candlestick dropped from her hand with the one word, Again! and rolling down with a clang awakened Mr. and Mrs. Ashton, the only sleepers on that floor, and set Nelson barking furiously. They were in the dark, but he had caught her hand. Miss Ashton, this is infatuation, madness. No matter, sir. Let me pass. You have no right to detain me. But I have, miss, said her father, coming behind, guided by their voices, his scant apparel as invisible in the gloom as himself. Is this another attempt to disgrace us by eloping? Oh, my child, you are breaking your poor old father's heart. And mine, floated like the echo of despair's last sigh from the lips of Jabez. But the utter hopelessness of the old man's tone touched a sensitive cord of Augusta's soul, and turning she fell upon his neck, crying tearfully, Oh, forgive me, father, forgive me. I did not think you would take it so much to heart. The appeal of affection to affection had accomplished what reason and authority had failed to effect. End of chapter the thirty-ninth